If you'll open up the outline uh, that's there, there's a few things that I want you to fill out and uh, to fill in there. Even if you've never taken notes before, this would be a good time to start. Because, as I said in the first service, as I've been saying many times uh, recently, life can be overwhelming sometimes, can it? We've, we've faced a lot of that over the last 18 months. Sometimes the future is cloudy and uncertain. Oftentimes the future is cloudy and uncertain. And sometimes we have more questions in life than we do answers. Now here's what I always do. I've mentioned this before. In fact, I told you at one point, um, I'm going to do a series on this, and this is uh, we're here. We're doing it. What I always do when I feel tempted to be overwhelmed or tempted to worry or tempted to be discouraged or if I have unanswered questions, I tell this to Nancy, I tell this to, to a lot of people, what I like to do when, when things are uncertain, I like to go back to what I know. Sometimes I'll pull out a, a notebook, paper, and I'll just start right now. This is what I know. And when I go to what I know, what I do know, because there's so much, there's so much we just don't know in life. But when I go back to what I do know, it keeps my faith grounded in certainty even when everything is chaotic in the world around me. So the question is, well, what do we know? Today, as we're kicking off this series about the character and the nature of God, I'm calling it Things I've Learned About God. You could also call it Things I Know About God, because these are the things I know to be true. These are the things, the things that we're going to talk about in this, in this series these are the things, when I focus on the things I know to be true, my world calms down. My faith remains strong. My spirit is uplifted. So maybe these truths, maybe these truths will help you too, as much as they've helped me. I want to start by reading this verse from Psalms 86. It says, <clears throat> verse 8 through 11 says, there is none like you, Lord. We even sing a song called, There is No One. No one. That's Mila, one of Mila's favorite songs. She sings it at the top of her lungs. No one bout you is what she, she calls it. There is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. That's my prayer for this series, that God would teach us about himself and his, his character, about his nature, about his ways, so that we would know him better in a deeper, in a deeper way. And during this series, we're going to talk about who God is, and we're going to look at some of the most important, timeless characteristics of God. What do we know? Next week, we're going to talk about how God has a plan, a plan for our life. Even when we don't know what's next, even when we're afraid and we're uncertain of the future, we can be certain, we can know that God has a plan for our life. And then in two weeks, we're going to talk about how God is with me 
even when we don't feel God, we can be certain that He's there with us. We can know that He's there. And He'll always be with us and He'll never leave us. Then in three weeks, we're going to talk about how God is always in control. Even when we feel like our life is spinning out of control, our career is spinning out of control, or our relationship is spinning out of control, or our, our finances are out of control, it can seem like life gets hopeless, but we can know that even when everything else is out of our control, that God is still in control. One of the most important things that I've learned about God, I want to start this week with, is, in fact, it's probably the most important thing that I know about God, is that God loves me. God loves me. When I go to my notebook paper and I write down, this is what I know, that's the first thing I write down. God loves me. Think about that phrase. God loves you. But many times we don't fully understand this phrase for our own life. We often live our lives like we don't believe it. Like we say, well, well, I know that God loves I know that God loves that little old lady that lives across the street from me that has a fish on her car. I know that, that God loves my grandma who teaches Sunday school. Or I know that God loves our pastors. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. You know, I know that God, but, but somehow we miss that. But God loves me just as much as he loves all of them. And sometimes we live our lives like we don't really believe that. When life gets messy, when, when life gets tough, when the storms of life are raging, sometimes we forget who God is. And this leads to some big problems in our life. It leads to us feeling distant from God. It leads to us hurting other people around us. It leads to us making a lot of bad decisions. If we aren't living with a proper view of God and we're not living in the truth that God loves me, then we can never be everything that God created us to be. Now, the Bible not only teaches that God loves me, it goes even a step further. The Bible teaches and says, in fact, this is one of my favorite verses. It's a verse that any of us can memorize because it's only three words. 1 John 4, 8. The first half of that verse says, God is love. This is the first lesson that we learn as, as kids in, in Sunday school. If you grow up in church, one of the first songs you ever learn is, Jesus loves me, this I know, right? Jesus loves me, this I You know it. We, we know from a young age, uh, you know, a kindergartner can understand this. In fact, some of you are thinking, yeah, I already know this, Jerry. Are, are we really going to spend a whole, our whole time today talking about how God loves me? I already know this. I already got this already. But the truth is, this is one of those things we, we know, but it's something that we have to learn over and over and over again for our entire life. And it can take an entire lifetime to fully understand and to embrace God's love for us. We often forget it. Many of us are living our lives right now as if it isn't true, as if God doesn't love us. And we start to feel maybe God doesn't care for us anymore. We start to feel like we're distant from God. 
Maybe we begin to doubt his love for us. So I want you to write down some circumstances, five circumstances, when I can know that God loves me even when circumstances. The first one I want you to jot down the first bullet there is God loves me even when I mess up. Will you fill that in? Even when I mess up. Now the truth is we all mess up. But when you truly understand God's love, you understand that He still loves you even when you mess up big. Your biggest mess up, your biggest sin. God's love is deeper than the worst mistake you could ever make. God's love is wider than any distance that you put between yourself and God. And when you're trying to run away from God, you know, some I know people that have been running from God for a long time. You've been running long, you've been running hard, you've been running fast, you think away from God. And the truth is, you can't outrun God's love. Because just like that song said, when he leaves the 99 and he goes and pursues the one that's running away, Wherever you're running to to hide from God, He's already in your hiding place. He's waiting for you there. You're not running away from God. You're inadvertently, you are running towards Him because God's everywhere. You see, no matter how far you run, God's there because God loves you. God loves me even when I mess up. Second one I want you to jot down God loves me even when I don't feel it. God loves me even when I don't feel it. Have you ever felt like maybe God doesn't love you? One of the things I hear people say sometimes is, Pastor, I just don't feel God's love like I used to. I'll say more about this later, but let me just tell you something. God loves you even when you don't feel it. Part of maturity, part of growing up and being more mature in Christ, part of growing up as a Christian is learning how to live our lives by faith and not by feelings. God loves me even when I don't feel it. Third one I want you to jot down. God loves me even when others don't. Even when other people don't love me. Even if right now you feel like there's no one in your life who really loves you. And you feel all alone. And it seems like the whole world is against you. Your family's against you. Your company might be against you. Your kids may be against you. You can be confident in God's love. God loves you. He is for you. He is on your side, and he will stay on your side. Always he'll be on your side. Fourth one I want you to jot down is, God loves me even when I'm not yet a Christian. Some of you may be surprised at that. You might not realize on either side of the equation that when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that God loves you more now that you've become a child of God. He doesn't love you any more than He did before. In fact, there's nothing you can do, not even accepting Jesus as your Savior, that's going to make God love you any more than He already does before you become a Christian. Sometimes we as Christians, we think, oh, well, God loves me more because I'm his child. He loves me more than he loves you. That's not true. In fact, Kristen mentioned a verse when she said, she said, while we were yet sinners, when did God love us the most? While we were still sinners, 
Christ came and Christ died for us. Before you were a Christian, God gave you, lavished the, the greatest love of all loves when he sent Jesus to die for all of our sins. So God loves even before you become a Christian. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. By the way, there's also nothing you can do to make God love you any less than he already does. Now, becoming a Christian is the best response to God's love. And it's God's ultimate hope and his ultimate plan for your life, his ultimate desire for your life, because he wants you to know his plan. And he wants you to to know him personally and to spend eternity with him forever. The last one I want you to jot down, the last blank I want you to fill in is God loves me even when, and I'm not going to fill in the blank for you. You've got to fill in the blank. Even when blank. I left it blank because maybe there's something going on in your life right now that's causing you to not feel loved by God. I want you to write it in. If you're not sitting next to your spouse, you can fill the whole thing out. If you are, just write down like an initial or two. Okay, because they're already looking on your page. And this could be different for all of us. I want you to take a second and write that in. Whatever you write down in that blank, this is what makes me feel like God doesn't love me. I want you to know this. God loves you, period. So I'm going to talk today about how can I remember that? How can I remember and live in the, in the presence of, live in the reality of God loves me? Now, when you feel distant from God, when you start feeling overwhelmed and worried and stressed out, that's when we go back to what we know. But what if we could stay with what we know and not have to come back to it, but to stay there in it? How do I stay more focused on the fact that God loves me? Today I want to give us a practical ways to help us remember God's love for us. Even when things aren't going well in your life, even when God feels distant, or even when you've messed up, or even when we don't feel like others love us, or even when fill in the blank, all of those things we talked about, we can remember His love, even though those things are going on. But also, we can remember God's love when things are going great. Because you see, here's what happens. When things are going bad in our life, sometimes we forget about God's love for us. But often when things are going great in our life, when we're having that spiritual mountaintop, when we're, when things are, when we're growing, that's when we're even more susceptible to forget about God's, we kind of take it for granted, God's specific love for us. So we all need this, whether you're going through a discouraging, overwhelming, stressful time, or you're growing in your faith and you're kind of heading up to that mountaintop, we all need to focus and to refocus, we all need to go back to what we know, that God loves me. So how do I remember God's love? I want you to jot these, these five things down. The number one thing, I remember God's love when I connect with God in prayer. This is the first way to remember his love for us. Look, prayer is just simply talking to God. Prayer is simply talking to God like he's real. Because, hello, he is real. Let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever dreaded 
the talk you were going to have to have with someone because you thought that they were mad at you. And you heard your boss is looking for you. You heard he's mad at you, so you took the long way to the office. You, you wanted to avoid that conversation. Or, or you sensed, you just kind of knew your spouse was mad at you, so you took the long way home. You know, you know you got to go home, but, you know, you're putting it off because you got that, that feeling in the pit of your stomach, and, and you just want to avoid it. I admit I've done that. I've sometimes, sometimes we can build things up in our mind in such a way that they're really worse than they really are. And, and often we do the same thing with God. Maybe you avoid talking with God because you think, well, he's mad at me or he's disappointed in me. Or there's no way that God could be happy with how I'm living my life in this area or that area. All the mistakes that I've made, all the things that I've done wrong. So I'm just not going to talk to him. I'm going to avoid him. Because I know he's got to be disappointed in me. And maybe we think God's just too busy for us. You know, he's off solving world peace and off solving, you know, big things. And we've forgotten how much he loves us individually. It's in those times when we're tempted to avoid God that we need more than ever to just pause and pray. And say, God, I'm coming to you today in prayer. That's how you start it. You say, God, you just close your eyes, you close the door to your office, you get in your car, and you bow your head and you say, God, I'm coming to you today in prayer. And when we pause long enough to connect with God in prayer and we talk to him, we remember and we begin to feel how much he loves us again. Psalm 66:20 says, Praise God, who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love for me. God is not going to withdraw his love for you because you messed up. Regular prayer is a reminder of God's love. The more we pray, the more we remember God's love for us. And the more we feel God's love in our heart. Now, if you've been feeling distant from God recently, if you've been doubting God's love for you, if, if you've been doubting that God really cares for you, I want to challenge you this week for the next seven days to, to stop and to pray. To stop and say, God, I'm coming to you today in prayer. And make it a point to draw closer to God this week. And I promise you, one week from today, when I'm standing up here and we're talking about God's plan for your life, you will feel his love more than you feel it today. If every day this week you'll stop and say, God, I'm coming to you today in prayer. That's where you start, and then you start with regular prayer is a way to regularly remember God's love for you. Here's the second way to remember God's love. Will you jot this down? I claim God's forgiveness. Will you fill that in? I claim God's forgiveness. This is a big one. This is huge in our lives because forgiveness reminds us of how much God loves us. And forgiveness and prayer go kind of hand in hand. They, they're connected together. We claim God's forgiveness through prayer. And when I start praying and I start asking God to forgive me, I begin by saying these words. I say, God, I need your forgiveness for, 
And then you start telling them. Because I know some of you, when I said you got to go to God in prayer every day, you said, God, I'm coming to you today in prayer. You're like, what am I going to say? I don't, that's my problem. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. Well, let me just help you, okay? If you start with, God, I need your forgiveness, you might be able to go on and on and on and on. Some of you, it's going to take more than the three to five minute prayer I was thinking of. And oh my goodness, I've got, I've got a lot more to cover than that. But God says, if, if we confess our sins, this is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the Apostle John writes and he says, if we confess our sins to him, how do you confess your sins to God? Does, does, does that mean I pray the rosary? Does that mean I go to a priest and I tell him my sins and then he tells God my sins? Absolutely, thousand times, no, 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 that's not what it means. That's not what the Bible says at all. In fact, the Bible says that once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, once we're a Christian, then we have direct access to God. Our Father, we have the ability to go to Him and call Him Father. Now, Jesus is the one, our Savior is the one who said, this is how you should pray, our Father. So we get to go straight to Him. We don't have to pray it to somebody else. You don't have to pray it to a priest or a pastor type. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to involve anybody else in your confession. That should make you feel a little, yeah, better about this kind of a thing. We don't have to have somebody go to God on our behalf. There's no formula, formulated prayer that somehow you say just the right words and just the right order and bing, 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 you're forgiven. You just have a personal conversation with God. It's simple. You just have a personal relationship with God. You go directly to Him. God, today I'm coming to you in prayer. I need your forgiveness in this area of my thought life or this area of what I've said or what I've done. And we have a relationship with him. And he says if we confess our sins, we can go directly to God to do that. What, is, what does confess mean? What does it mean to confess my sins? Well, it simply means that I agree with God that we've messed up. God, I, I know this isn't what you want me to do with my time, with my mouth, with my money, with my, my life. We agree with God that I've fallen short of his, of his best. And I, I sort of own up. I sort of admit what it is that we've done. God, I've gotten off track in this area. God, I've messed up in this particular case. God, I, I know this habit isn't your will for my life. Now, here's what I want you to notice from this verse. This verse is just, well, depending on whether you use the word but at the beginning or not, it's 25 or 20, 24 or 25 words. The first seven words are about confession. Just the first seven. The other 24 words are about God's forgiveness. So roughly two-thirds, almost three-quarters of this verse is all about God's unfailing love for you when you confess. I want you to look at how God responds. It says, He is faithful 
and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this, that God is faithful. God is just. He's faithful and he's just. And he forgives. He forgives us even though he's faithful and he's just. And then he cleanses us. And he makes us righteous again. Now, God promises to do all five of those things if we just confess. So some of you, maybe you don't feel God's love right now because you need to confess your sins to him. There's like a barrier between you feeling God's love. God loves you. He loves you as much today as he did the day he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He loves you as much today as the day you stepped across the line of faith and accepted his son. He loves you the same when you mess up as when you fess up. He loves you the same. But you don't feel it because you've built up a wall of sin. You, you have a clogged filter. You can't, you can't feel his love in your life. That's what sin does. It stands between you and God and keeps you from feeling his power, his presence, and his peace. Now, his power, his presence, and his peace are automatic but not if you don't feel it, you don't appropriate it in your own life. So you, you can't feel this love, this love because of, of your sin. So confession takes those bricks, that wall away, and allows you to remember God's character and God's love. Maybe we need to do this together for practice. In fact, I want to take just a moment in a second to talk to God in prayer. And I... I want you right now in your heart or in your mind to think of something in your life, some area of your life where you need to claim forgiveness, where you know you've been out of line with God's plan for your life. You're doing something and you know God doesn't want you to do that and you need to confess. Would you just kind of join me? Let's just bow our heads in prayer right now. If you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. In your heart, in your mind, would you just confess that sin or those sins in your life right now? Maybe, maybe those are the things that have made you feel like God doesn't love you very much right now. Just confess those. God, I agree with you that this is not what you want me to do. Because those are the things that are going to make you feel like God doesn't love you. I want to give you a few minutes. Just take that sin and confess it to God. You don't need anybody to do it for you. But in your heart, in your mind, silently, you just agree with God and confess that sin. And he'll forgive you. Do that right now. Father, you know all of our hearts. You know where we've fallen short. You know our sin. God, right now in our, in our heart, in our mind, we confess that to you. We say we're sorry. Forgive us of our sin and And through that, God, through that confession, allow us to feel your love and your presence in a powerful way in our life. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person who's next to you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them the sin that you just confessed to God. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Remember, I told you, you don't have to tell anybody else. So, some of you were feeling like, oh, maybe you got warned by somebody in the first service. There were some big eyes in here, let me tell you. Remember 1 John 1, 9? 
It says that you confess your sin to who? To God. That's who you have to take it to. No one else. Please don't come tell me all your sins. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You know? Now, I want you to see what God is doing immediately when we confess our sins. Do you see what's happening? Even right now, you've just confessed some sin to Jesus. Maybe you're a follower of Christ, and maybe it's been a long, long time since you've, since you've done that. But Jesus, according to this promise, he's forgiving you of your sins, even if this is the first time in a long, long time for you. And you can start feeling God's love in your heart. You're feeling God's love in your life. That God is, he's faithful, he's just, he's willing to forgive your sins. Why? Because he loves you. It's been, you've been separated by that sin, but when you confess that sin, he starts that cleansing process. Something happens and allows you to experience his love. This is why this is such an important step. That a lot of us need to take need to take on a regular basis to remember God's love for us. I've got to connect with God in prayer, and I've got to claim God's forgiveness. And number three, I want you to jot this down. The third thing is I continue, I continue in God's word. Now we talk about this all the time. The Bible is God's love letter to you. Now the Bible is more than just God's love letter to you. But you shouldn't underestimate how much love you'll feel, how much of God's love you'll feel when you start reading your Bible every day. Have I mentioned lately that you should read your Bible? Now, it's hard to get an accurate account because there are many words that can be translated into the English word love. When you look at the Greek of the New Testament and you look at the Hebrew from the Old Testament, there are so many different words that we can translate as love in the English language. But if you were to look at um, the translation that we use the most here at SEC is the NLT, the New Living Translation. There are roughly 500 times that the word love appears in the NLT. That means that almost every page you turn to, this one has about 1,000 pages in it, that's every page I turn to, almost on an average, there's going to be the word love there. God is however many words it is, whether it's a little over or a lot over 500, God is being intentional about this. He is being emphatic about this. He wants us to understand and to be sure that we know he loves us because almost every page you turn to, the word love is going to be there. If we will continually read his word, we will be continually reminded of his never-ending love that's always faithful. Psalm 19 7 says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are ripe, bringing joy to the heart. And the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Look at all the benefits that come when we connect with God's word. It says it revives our soul. It says it makes us wise. It says it brings joy to our heart. It says it gives us insight that we need for living. And it says that that's the power of God's word. By the way, one of the easiest ways for you to continue to grow in God's word is to get in a life group. You hear me talk about this all the time. That when you get together 
with 10 to 12 other believers and you study his word and you share life together, prayer requests together, you know what's going on and you pray for each other. It's one of the easiest ways for you to grow. And by the way, we're about halfway through our fall semester of, of our life groups and our, our growth classes. The easiest time for you to get involved in a life group is to sign up for one of the 40-day groups that we start at the beginning of the year. Every year at the beginning of the year, we do 40 days of prayer, 40 days in the Word, 40 days of purpose, 40 days of transformation. I guess it was 50 days of transformation this past year. You can decide now. Now, I know, I know you're thinking, January? Why are you talking about I can't even think of January yet. Let me just let you know. It's 12 weeks away. 12 weeks on January 9th, we will be kicking off our 40-day spiritual growth campaign. And I know you're thinking 12 weeks is so far away. Listen, you're going to be trunk-or-treating in a couple of weeks. Next thing you know, you're going to be trying to scramble to get Christmas presents by Thanksgiving because there's not going to be anything on the shelves because of the supply chain mess that is happening. So Black Friday is going to be like White Friday. There's going to be nothing to buy, you know. And, and, and you're going to be having turkey in just a few weeks. The next thing you know, you're gearing up for Christmas, and it's silent night. And, and, and January will be here before you blink your eye. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be sitting here next October when I make the same speech, and you go, oh, man, we really need to get in a small group. Oh, that's too far away. Well, let's not even think about it yet. Or are you, are you going to be like a lot of the people who got in a life group this past year? Is a lot nicer hearing this speech when you're, uh, man, I'm glad we did that this year. Yeah, aren't you glad? Oh, yeah. Preach, Pastor Jerry. Give it to them hard. Yeah. When you're on that side of the equation, it's like, tell them, tell them, tell them. When you're on the other side, it's like, oh, here I go again. Make the decision today that you're going to move some things around in your life. Clear out one night a week for six weeks. You have 12 weeks to implement this plan. Pick a night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, or Sunday. There's seven to choose from, in case you were wondering. And pick one and decide now we're going to move some things so I can get in a life group. Because it matters. I'm, in fact, make the commitment now you're going to come to church six weeks in a row or tune in six weeks in a row. Starting in January, just coming to church six weeks in a row changed many lives, let me tell you. Because the instructions of the Lord are perfect, and they will revive your soul. So I encourage you to make the commitment to get into a group. Now, if you remember, I said earlier that we all go through times in our lives where we don't feel God, where he feels distant from us. When that happens, I want you to turn to God's word. Because when we read it, we absorb it, it communicates and reminds us of God's love. The feelings of love that God has for you, they will come flooding back if you'll read your Bible every day for seven days. You do both. You pray every day. You claim God's forgiveness in the area you need forgiveness to block, knock those blocks out of the way that barrier out of the way, you start reading God's Word every day, not for an hour, just for five minutes. And you will start feeling God's love in your life again. Here's the thing I've learned. I've discovered as a pastor for almost 30 years now, here's the, here's the hard truth. When you don't feel God's love in your life, this is what I've learned. I've discovered most of the time, when we aren't feeling loved by God, 
is because we aren't spending enough time in his word. If we're really honest, we're just going through the motions. We're now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But we're not having a conversation with God and we're not reading his word. If we would have a conversation, quiet time, and we would read God's word, we will feel his love. So if, if you feel distant from God, he hasn't moved. You've just stopped doing the habits that we all have to do. Now, I've been a pastor for 30 years. I've been a Christian for, wow, 44 years. Is that crazy? And it's the same thing for me. When I stop reading his word every day or I start having a conversation with him every day, I start drifting little by little every day. So we've got to continue in his word daily through personal devotions or weekly through your, through your life group. And then, of course, when we get together here on Sunday to worship, we can study God's word together while we're here. In fact, that's the fourth thing I want you to jot down. If I'm going to remember God loves me, then I have to consistently attend God's church. Something special happens when we're together that doesn't happen when we're else, whether we're gathered face-to-face or whether we're gathered electronically over the Internet. And I encourage you that are watching, if you're on Facebook, please let us know. Hey, I'm here. Hey, pray for me. Hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, great service. I love that song. Let me know that that you're, you're live. You know, I'm praying for you. Let me know. When I text you for a prayer request, text me back. When, um, when, when you're, if you're on YouTube, there's a chat for that. If you're on Sermon.net, there's a chat for that. Let us know you're here. Let us know you're part. Let us know you're, you're paying attention. And we appreciate that so that we can pray for you. But when we attend church together, when we worship it, God speaks directly to you sometimes. I can't tell you how many times I've walked out and people have come up to me and said, man, I felt like that message was just for me. Well, it was just for you. God knows who's going to be here. In fact, if you're here for the first time, I said this in the first service, and I knew a guy hadn't been here for a year. He came up right afterwards. He said, you were exactly right. I said in the first service, I'll say it again. If you haven't been to church for a long time, but you find yourself here today, you may be even thinking, what the heck am I doing here today? I didn't plan a week ago that I was going to be here today. I didn't circle in July. You know, on in that second Sunday in October, I'm going to make sure I'm in church. No, 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 no. You're here because God brought you here. You know why God brought you here? Because he knew what I was going to say. Why did he know what I was going to say? Because he told me what to say. He's here to, you're here for God to say, I love you. So if you haven't been to church in a month or a quarter or a year, I can promise you the reason you're here today is because God got you here. You didn't get you here. God got you here so that he could get you to sit for a minute so he could get you to tune in and sit for a minute so he can say, I love you. God loves you. That's his message for you. You don't have to get anything else other than that. God loves you. I'll keep saying it over and over till I die. God loves you so much. That's why you're here today. I pray that God will... By the way, people often come up to me and they say, Hey, Jerry, Jerry. Would you teach on this? Would you teach on that? Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you did this? Wouldn't it be cool if you did that? Oh, I really wish you would do something like this. Look, that's all fine. You're welcome to do that for me. I just need to let you in on something. I don't teach what other people want me to teach or what you even want me to teach or even what I want to teach. I ask God, what do you want me to say? So no offense to everybody, but <laughs> this is God's church, not Jerry's church, okay? So if, if you like really want to talk to him about it, tell him to tell me. Okay, and and that's just a simple way. We, God, what do you want me to say? 
in the next series. What series do you want me to do next? And I do that because I know he's going to speak to you. And then he's going to get the ones here who need to hear it. So if you're here today, God loves you. Now, if you're here every single week, I'll tell you God loves you too. Okay? If you're here, in fact, if you're not here today and you're not tuned in, you're not even going to hear this message. I just want you to know, even though you're not going to hear this message, God loves you too. Okay? Someone please tell them. Psalm 48, 9 says, Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your house. By the way, come ready to hear, to hear what God has to say to you. Come expecting. Some people will come in and they're like, Well, I don't expect God to speak to me. Well, he won't. You'll get exactly what you expect. Or you can come and go, I expect to hear from God, and he will talk to you. He will speak something to you. I hope every Sunday that you come to this campus that you feel loved by our church. We love you. That you feel welcomed. We welcome you. But more important than that, I hope you hear loud and clear, and you're reminded of how much God loves you each and every time. So let's review real quick. I, If I'm going to remember God's love for me, how much he loves for me, then I, I re, I'm going to have to pray. I, I, re, I remember his love when I claim his forgiveness. I remember his love when I connect in his word. And I remember his love when we gather together for worship. One last thing, and this is the most important one. Is I remember God's love when I commit my life to, his, to God's Son. If I want to remember God's love for me, I have to commit my life to God's Son. The truth is, we really don't know, we really don't understand God's love until we know God's Son, Jesus Christ. See, it's only when we commit our life to Christ that we can really pray to God. It's only really when we commit our life to Christ that we can really claim his forgiveness. It's only when we commit our life to Christ that we can really understand the depths of God's word. And it's only when we commit our life to Christ, to God's Son, that we're able to worship in spirit and in truth. John, 1 John 3.16, this is 1 John 3.16, says we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We started with that verse, the short one, that says, where God says, I am, I am love. But God doesn't just say, I am love. He proves it. He proves it by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. If you've ever wondered how much God loves you, Jesus answers that question when he opens up his arms. He lets them nail his arms to the cross. He says, I love you this much. I'm going to bear the scars of loving you for the rest of eternity. I want you to know and never, never, never forget. This is how much I love you. I, I would die before I would spend eternity without you. Jesus says, you want to know how much I love you? I don't ever want you to doubt it. This is how much I love you. Listen, since the day you were born, God has loved you and he has never stopped loving you. Why did Jesus have to come to show us God's love? It's because that sin was a barrier. We couldn't understand or sense or feel God's love for us. Jesus came and when we ask for forgiveness of our sins, he clears out that barrier, and now we can finally understand and feel God's love. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So let me ask you today, those of you who are watching, those of you who are here, if you've never done this before, are you finally ready today to commit your life 
to God's Son, Jesus Christ? Are you ready to trust Him and to give your life to Him? In just a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to give you that opportunity to step across the line of faith, to experience, maybe for the first time, how much God loves you. When He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, He showed you how much He loved you. And He says if you believe in Jesus, you put your trust in Jesus, you won't perish and you'll have eternal life. Now listen, for those of us who are already Christians, we've already become a Christ follower. This is a great time at the beginning of this series to rededicate our lives to Jesus Christ. Would you do that with me to to, to just say, Jesus, I want to rededicate my life to you. I'm already a believer. I'm already a Christian. But you know what? I'm going to leave here today knowing I'm, I'm doubling down on my commitment to you, Jesus. I want to feel your love in my life. And let's... Take a moment to just thank Jesus for giving his life for us, for saving us, and for giving us a home in heaven. Now, in this series, i got one one verse, and then we'll close in prayer. I know we're out of time. In this series, we're going to wrestle with who God is and what God's like. It's going to be a great series, but one of the most important things about God is, is this first thing that we're talking about, that God loves me. It's such a foundational concept, like I said, a kindergartner in Power Upper Kid Zone can understand it. However, it really takes us a lifetime to fully understand it. A kindergartner can understand it, but it takes a lifetime to fully understand it. I hope that you will embrace this challenge of getting to know how much God loves you more and more every day as you pray, as you claim his forgiveness, as you get in his word, as you worship with his people. And I invite you to commit your life to Christ or to recommit, rededicate your life to Christ after I read this last verse. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, And how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Will you bow your heads with me? And let's just pray. Just bow your head and close your eyes and let this be a personal time between you and God where you you talk to him. And I want to begin by praying for those of you who today are committing your life to Jesus Christ for the first time. You've never had God's love in your life. You've been living your life apart from God. But today, for the first time, you're like, I want to know God's love. So in your heart and in your mind, if that's you, if you're watching or you're in the pavilion or you're here in this room with me, if that's you, you just pray this simple prayer in your own heart, in your own mind. You don't even have to say it out loud. Just say, God, say that. Say, God, I know that you love me. I know that you love me. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross to prove that love. Can you pray that? I believe that Jesus died on the cross to prove that love. Now pray. Come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you from now on. Make that your prayer. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you from now on. It's a simple prayer. 
Well, when you pray that prayer, God will come into your life. He'll break down those walls that have kept you from feeling his love. And you can experience God's love. And you can discover his plan. And you can spend all of eternity with him. I also want to pray for those of you who are Christians. Maybe you're here today. It's been a really long time since you felt God's love for you. You're going through a dry period. It's been a long time since you felt like he really cared for you. Like he was really there. I don't know why you're not feeling that. So I just want to pray for you right now. That you would commit your life to Christ. Just say, yes, Jesus. I want to recommit my life to you. Open your heart. Break down those walls. Maybe your heart's been hard recently because of something that's happened. So ask God to come in. Say, God, come back in. Break down these walls. Help me to know that I'm loved by you. Maybe make the commitment to be here in church and to read your Bible and to pray and to do these things that remind you every day that you're loved and that He's really never stopped loving you. Father, I pray for the rest of this series that we would know, know, and experience Your ways. God, Your ways in a deep and a fresh way. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's now. I hope you learned or were reminded of just how much God loves you today and that you'll live in light of that all week long. Young adults, don't forget that the collective meets tonight. I hope to see you there. Have a great day.